the views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Carker Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 1490 AM on your radio dial. Uh, phone number here is 520-719-1490 for any of your scary towing questions or anything you may have on that, since that is huge in the state of Arizona. A lot of that stuff goes on. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, Rod Shotgun. And co-host Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. Jim, you still with me? Or did you go to sleep? <laughs> no, I'm here, Jerry. I'm up and at him now. It's <laughs> worth the second hour. We're good to go. Thanks for having me on. Oh. Remember, it's Super Safe oh. Saturday. So there, Absolutely. I got it in, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision, 4425 West Ina Road. They're behind Jiffy Lube and the car wash. Phone number, write it down, 520-744-4454. That's in case you didn't catch your first hour and something happens and you tore the crap out of your vehicle because you were towing improperly and not safe. And... Spectrum, Ina Road Auto Collision, or if you just want the paint color change because you bought a used vehicle and it's mechanically perfect and the paint looks like something that you painted with a can of Krylon uh, and you want it changed out to make it look pretty since it is a nice, safe, dependable vehicle now. Take it down and have the paint job done. You know, you can fix it. you got blisters on top. He can match the color of the top to the color on the bottom that's not blistered. So you can save some money that way, too. Any of your repairs that you have that need paint and body, Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. 4425 West Ina Road, phone number again, 520-744-4454. All right, Jim, we were covering a lot of stuff on the towing and the problems that they have from the towing. Uh, Now, before I get into that, I want to remind everybody about the class that's going on that will be going on at Pima College downtown campus automotive shop on January the 14th from eight that's next Saturday eight o'clock in the morning to 1230 just past noon and they'll have four instructors and it will be on electric cars 
the good, the bad, the ugly, as I call it, because you're going to have questions, they're going to have answers, they're going to give you information you never even thought of, and they will cover about the batteries, the charging systems, the problems, the things, the good part about it, because electric cars are here to stay. And the best thing to do is just go to this class. It'll cost you a whopping $49, which is like taking your wife out to dinner. But it'll be well worth the money. If you want to take your wife, take your wife and let her find out. Because uh, women, they, hey, they like the fact they don't have to buy gas. They might, might as well know what's going on with the electric cars. Because a lot of them are buying them. A lot of women are buying them. Men are still got driving their trucks. Women have got the electric cars. I look at that electric car and say, hey, this can be a good deal as soon as they get the bugs out of it. But the class at Pima College should answer all of your questions, and it's it's cheap, as you you can't get anything for $49. So I, I highly recommend this class next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, the noontime, um, at Pima Community College, downtown campus, in the automotive classroom. All right, Jim, back to the towing of these vehicles. Now, I made a couple of notes during the break that I uh, remembered. <laughs> uh, there is a, a phenomenal amount of trailers that were sold, bumper pull trailers that were sold during the COVID when everybody was stuck and they couldn't go anywhere. They started buying these RVs at record sales. And for the people that are buying these RVs, be certain that the vehicle that you're towing with is capable of pulling the trailer that you're buying. Real critical. I mean, I can take a Mustang and hook it to a horse trailer and pull it. That's not the problem. There's plenty of power. I can modify a hitch. I'm not worried about that. But that Mustang is not designed to pull a horse trailer. Yet I can pull a horse trailer with it. But it can also kill you because it's the wrong mix. I have seen this. I've seen people take a little short van, hook it to a 30-foot travel or 26-foot, I'm sorry, 26-foot travel trailer. And it did exactly what I told the client it would do. And it's unfortunate, but it did exactly what I told the client. Don't tow that trailer with this van. He said, well, it'll pull it fine. I said, I can make a, I can make a Mustang pull a trailer, but I can't make it stop safely. And it won't handle the wind current. When it starts whipping, the trailer has the control, not the vehicle towing. Make sure. If you think it'll pull with a half-ton truck, there's not that much difference between the price on a half-ton truck and a three-quarter-ton truck. Get the three-quarter-ton truck. It's got a different suspension system on it. It's designed to carry a heavy load. You say, well, I don't need that much. Oh, really? You got this little trailer, and you think, okay, well, this is good. I'm going to keep this forever. No, you're not. You're probably, if you like it, you're going to upgrade it to a bigger one. Now, unless you want to dump another $45,000 on the truck to get something bigger so it'll pull, go ahead and get the truck the first time. I have been towing since I was five years old, sitting on a bucket in an old Chevy truck, driving a silage truck. They had to take the seat out because the seat, you know, silage you stay in uh, when you're cutting corn, you, you run in first gear. I had to have a big five-gallon bucket just so I could see out of the windshield 
to drive this truck. I'm sorry, I was seven years old. And you, every, that's how long I've been driving. That's how long I've been towing trailers. And I have screwed up, broken up, crashed the little stuff when I was learning this. It's called trial by error. And that is a mind sticker. I will never forget what I was doing when I did something wrong and it broke and it cost me a lot of money or a, uh, a verbal, verbal, uh, conversation with my dad. So that's the information that you're getting. Match the truck to whatever you're towing. If I'd have had a half-ton truck on that trailer that come loose because she didn't put it on the ball right, I would have had a catastrophe. So, did, trust me on this. I know what I'm talking about. On the, And the brake sensors, when you hook up a trailer to your truck, and I, I, in a book, somewhere in a book, in the little owner's manual they give you when you have a hitch put on and all this fancy stuff hooked up, It'll say, make sure, it'll tell you how to set the sensor. It's to come on just a nanosecond before the brakes on the vehicle does. The trailer is designed, you put the brakes on the trailer first, then you hit the brakes on the truck, but it's got to be within a nanosecond, which gives the brakes time to lock up, then you put the power on the truck, and so you're locking the brakes up, or you're applying the brakes from the trailer through the truck to the front bumper. It starts at the back of the trailer. It goes all the way through to the front bumper of the truck. That's how you want that weight transfer. And um, you'll be happy you did. But do that before you ever leave the house, okay? Or when you get out on your little dirt road or side road or driveway and just check it to make sure it works. Check your emergency uh, trigger that you have on your brake controller and make sure that it works. That means that you hit the brake control without applying brakes to the truck and make sure that the brake trailers are working. When you, If you have a short in the connector from the trailer to the truck on your, your wiring, most of them have electric brakes now, and they're activated by wire. And so when you hook them up, if that wire is not operating properly, you will have no brakes on the trailer and if you have a short in a wire, there'll be no brakes on the trailer. And there's, that's the reason that every time you leave the driveway, you check your brake hookup. So anything you want to add to that, Jim? Oh, the, the trailer wiring. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you're late model vehicles often have brake controllers in them. Uh, conveniently right. enough for us, they run through the body control module. So if if there's a short in your trailer, it it kicks it out. It it won't work. It just it just it disables it because what the truck knows is that a short in the system can cause one of the eighty three computers to go crazy. So it says, I have a solution. Let's just inoperate this thing altogether. Just saying, folks. And so when you're checking your trailer wiring, whether you got the little square four pin or you got a six pin with the with the brake controller or you got you know, you got the seven pin on a on a travel big travel trailer, um 
check your wires to make sure that the lights, all, starting with the lights, to make sure all the lights are working. Um, you know, go by and give them a quick tap even. It's what we have to do on ours, on some of the trailers we have, buy and tap them to make sure the connection isn't loose. Connections today on mm-hmm. vehicles are really, really critical. They, the, the vehicles today actually measure the resistance. That's how they know that there's a, a problem. And, for example, like new late model vehicles don't have flashers on their trucks anymore. It all runs through the body control module. So the model, body control module is looking for a resistance to, to tell whether or not that light should be on. If the resistance is too high, for example, the wire is shorted out, you know, because the plug came off because it was bouncing down the road, because trailer connections ain't the best, um, it will it will just turn it off and it's not going to work. And so now you got to chase it, um, which is which can be a real joy, folks, because if none of them come on, you can't figure out which one's out. So um, sometimes then you're out there with a with a with a with a battery charger and, and, or a battery and twelve volts trying to figure out which one goes where. Right? Um, trailer breaks the same way. You need to make sure your breakaway trailer uh, battery is good. So if you know if the breakaway doesn't work, that's an instantaneous ticket and tow. If you get stopped by the highway patrol just because the guy pulls your breakaway out and you pull forward and it doesn't stop, he's towing you, and that means he's towing you with the wheels off the ground. They won't even let us tow them on the ground. They make us tow them on flatbeds. That's not cheap. So check your breakaways. If if you have a trailer with a breakaway battery on it, especially all travel trailers got them, or they're hooked into the into the the bat the big batteries under the compartment that run the jacks up and down, or run the uh, if you got a generator on there, make sure you check those. The wiring itself, real critical. Most of them are pretty good, but I mean, if you've ever seen one um, apart, it's just a menagerie of wires, and then. The connections back to the truck. So, um, connections to the truck are, are kind of critical because, well, it's at the back of a truck, and back of the truck gets takes takes a lot of abuse. So I, I've seen tons of them just broke off and just hanging. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Um, grounds are really really sensitive on on vehicles today. I mean, the oh ground gosh, through the yes. ball hits. Yeah, the ground through the ball sometimes just won't cut it. It just if you. It might be like Jerry said, you know, they get rusty. That's why you grease them up so they, so they, so they can actually work them. Well, that actually helps, you know, make the connection too, because a high level of rust in between the two, between the receiver and the and the ball, the, the lights aren't going to work because it's expecting your ground. I've had to on many occasions run a separate ground wire from the trailer to the truck just to make the lights work, and you're sitting there looking at it going, but it's clean. It should work, but remember, it's going from a trailer through a ball hitch, through a receiver hitch, through a little pin in the receiver hitch, to the trailer hitch, to the truck. Well, there's six connections right there that that can uh, throw an impedance that is going to make your life a living hell. So, and as you're driving down the road, you see those lights flickering on and off. It's only a matter of time before they just flicker off, and they don't stay on. <laughs> there's no more on anymore. <laughs> this could be a little no. disconcerting. <laughs> Am I still on? You're on, Jerry. Uh-oh. I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, I think he lost himself. At any rate, so, um, so when you're running a late model vehicle um, and you don't well, know... Well, I don't just, know if I'm on. 
I can't. I don't have anything coming through the headset. <laughs> um, Jim, sure I hope you're still bit. talking. I'm still talking. Um, so the, any rate, so the, um, um, if you're, uh, he's gone. Okay. If, that's okay. Anyway, so get him hooked up. The, the, it's real critical about electrical connections. So when they come from the factory with the electrical connections, those are great, but you need to pay attention to them. If you break one, if, if it gets smashed because you ran over a rock or something or, or, it, you, if something you forgot to unhook it when you pulled away, uh, and the tra- and you pulled the connect- trailer connection off, it needs to be repaired. It needs to be repaired. You can't just glue it back together. You need to repair it properly for it to work, or it's going to cause you all kinds of lighting issues. And and it's funny, and I didn't know this until I started working on them. You can see that when you check the computer on the truck. You, it'll throw it'll in the body control module have tons of codes in there about all these all these issues with with uh, trailer brake issues trailer lighting issues it'll have tons and tons of codes in there so okay now now you got all these you got twenty seven codes in there all because your trailer hitch isn't working properly so it's it's real critical that you uh you can get on and get that stuff taken care of. And also, if, if you're trying to put a ball on a receiver hitch, I usually it's usually an inch and a half socket. If you don't have one, go to a trailer guy. If you're not sure you can get it tight, go to a trailer guy and have them put it install it for you. Or um, U-Haul sells a pre-made unit. I know it's a little more expensive. It's got the two and five sixteenths ball already on the receiver, um, and the two inch ball on the receiver. The trick is to figure out how much drop you want or how much lift you need. Sometimes they needed them to drop a little bit, a couple inches or four inches, and some of them are eight inches. By the reverse, sometimes you need them to lift a couple inches or eight inches, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, and Jerry had a great point in the last hour about um, the, the ball being tight on the receiver. If it's loose, not only will it flop around, you you won't get it off because when they get loose, it it messes up the threads and it will never. You can't get it any tighter because the threads are just completely obliterated. And then it what happens is you can't get it off either. You can't get it loose. It won't. It, you, you are unable to get the nut off the ball. It just will not come off. So <clears throat> um, you wind up having to cut them off with a torch. Or throw the assembly away, and if and if it's been if it's been loose in the receiver, the odds are is that it's the hole is no longer round; it's elongated. If the hole is elongated in the receiver, um, it's junk. I know it might look okay, but if if they don't meet marry and meet tight, it'll get loose, and it just you'll have the same problem again. And I, I know I get it; you just have to throw them away. You throw them away. It, it's cheaper than a rack. I, I know it might be a hundred dollars, might be two hundred dollars, but any of that, any anything you can do to avoid the crash, is significantly cheaper. Because there's nothing worse than thinking, "Oh, I, this will be all right," and you know, "Hey guys, hey guys, watch this." You know, <laughs> so there's some point in time when you're just like, "Oh, that was a dumb move," you know. 
You don't want to be in the dumb move mode, so that's uh, <laughs> you got to take take that into account. Um, back on uh, tires, if you if you got a rental trailer and you check the tires, and if you look at the tires and they look really old, tell your rental guy, hey, these tires look old. Most of them don't have that. It's uh, they run pretty pretty straightforward with them. Um, but if, if it looks bad or if the rim looks bent, you know, you don't want to be pulling that trailer down the road because it can start weaving, you know, fishtailing on, uh, on whatever, whatever is going on. Um, jack, hitches, the, the jack, if, if you, if you're working on your trailer and the, and your jack isn't secure or doesn't lock, and when you're trying to jack up your trailer to get it off your truck, um, it's uh, can be really bad. So it can fall down on you, and especially with the, with 500 pounds of tongue weight, if the jack is not there, it's, if it doesn't lock properly, if it doesn't work properly, if it's if it's so hard, if it's bent because you left it down when you drove away, all those things need to be replaced because. It's just going to make it much more difficult, you know. Then you're going to carry 15 blocks of wood to try and jack it up an inch and a half because your jack is bent or the wheel is missing. Or the plate is missing. So um, that, those are those are critical things to look for. And a jack a jack on a trailer is a is an important point. And it could be the jack it could be the jack on a on a single two axle trailer or the or the jacks on a travel trailer. If they ain't working right, if they don't go up and down together, and you're trying to unhook a fifth wheel out of the back of a truck, if it don't work right, you're not going to get it out because it's going to pinch. So, anyways, welcome back, Jerry. Um, did you have a good? Well, time? I'm, yeah, I begin. I begin to wonder. Seems like we got a little bit of a ground problem with the communication. Uh, a little scratchy when they brought me back in. It still sounds scratchy, but on the ground wire, on the older trailers. I remember actually putting a ground wire instead of it grounding out through the hitch itself. I run a separate wire right beside the wire loom, left enough to where I could hook it to a a uh, bolt. I had a, a, a drilled a hole in the bumper up top and put an eyelet on the end of the ground and actually cured my ground problem that way because if you put a lot... On grease, it works great to a degree, but it has a downfall when you're grounding through the bumper, through the ball itself. Too much grease doesn't allow the ground to ground properly. It'll give you an intermittent ground or a weak ground. And so when I just run a uh, splice end of the wire, I soldered the wire to make sure you have a good connection and then put soldered a end on it. And then I put it straight to a bolt that I had where you just back out and uh, with a little socket, back it out, and then put it back on, like putting a license plate bolt in almost. And when I did that, it cured it. And that works well for the older trailers who who depend on grounding through the trailer ball. Because my version of a little bit of grease on the trailer ball and your version on a little bit of grease on the trailer ball well, the reason I learned the difference is because I'm the guy that used to put too much grease on a trailer ball, and then it affected the ground that I had coming off the back. 
So, uh, yeah, that is super critical. And that's re- and I agree with Jim. If you've got your light hooked up and everything looks good, you walk around with a, uh, you know, even your hand, the palm of your hand, just slap that, uh, cover and see if you get a, if it flickers, you got a bad ground going. And it's a loose connection right inside. Then you can have a chance to fix it before you go out on the road and all of a sudden you have a bad ground and no lights. So I, good. I was able to listen to you most of the time, Jim. Then I, then they brought me back up. So good, good job on that. Good job on that. So do you got any, do you have anything? Do you got a, yo, gee, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add to that? I was just, the, just before you jump back on, I was talking about the, your, the jack. Um, just make sure the, the jack it works properly. It's not beat up, broke off, um, that it locks so it doesn't, so it doesn't fall down when you're trying to unlock it. Um, and even on your, on your fifth wheels with the dual, with dual jacks, making sure that they're, that they're greased and that they go up and down right and that they're not bent because that makes uncoupling incredibly difficult. And if, and if, when you're, especially on like a little bumper pull trailer, you know, a car trailer or a little yard trailer or a little travel trailer, if the if the jack doesn't work right, or the wheels bent or the flat is bent, you're trying to hold it up. It's just if it doesn't, because it's got to roll up out of the way when you're towing it. Otherwise, you're just going to rip it off. And the reason why I know you're going to rip it off is because I've left this down and tore them slap off. Just tore them right off and went, oh, that was a genius move. Because why? Well, because I got in a hurry. I'm going to get, jump in the truck and go, and you hear this, and then, you know, the jack is just bent oh. back at a 90-degree angle. And now you're you're in trouble. You Now you're like, great. And, of course, for me, I'm always lucky. The jack has, happens to be welded onto the tongue, so it's not like I can just unbolt it. Um, so now I'm out there cutting it off and getting a new jack. But make sure that it goes up and down and, Make sure you know if you need a spare block with you, carry a block with you. But uh, um, make sure that that that, that thing works right, because the last thing you want to do is to fall down, or if you got the foldings out for it to to not lock properly and and fold down while you're trying to unhook it, because it's just going to fall on the ground. And then you're going to try and figure out how to pick the jack up, pick the tongue up, to to put the jack back underneath. And that's a real that's a real chore. If it doesn't just fall on your leg, because well, that's usually what it does to me. So. Other than that, well, I, think we, the other, I think we covered the jacks. Almost. Almost. Oh, okay, what did they miss? The jacks, some of the older jacks had a little hole right up next to the top of the jack, and it's about a sixteenth of an inch. That is put there <clears throat> to, you can lube it. You know, uh, a jack, once it gets dry on the inside, the worm gears and stuff, it's awful hard and it starts to wear prematurely. So if you could remember to do that. Now, my late model trailer, 2012 trailer, it doesn't have a little hole in it yet because I keep forgetting to take my drill down to the barn with me when I go to it. And I will, and right now I'm just shooting it down where the handle, where the crank is on top, and it, it turns. I just take a light lubricant and go right in around that seal and let it go down inside. And it makes all the difference in the world the way the jack actually operates. Now, I'm sure the jack is probably sitting there, and I know what the inside of a jack looks like. It's a worm gear all the way down. And if you keep it clean 
And once you start lubing it, keep in mind, lube will pull dust. Now, these things are not dust-proof. And so when you start doing that, it's necessary to keep using If you want to use a WD-40, clean it out, let it drain out the bottom of it, fine. You know, but the cleaner you keep the teeth on the worm gears, the better that thing's going to operate. I've had them where they get so bad that I did drill a hole in the top, and then I shot it full of engine oil out of a squirt can, and it worked great. But I used synthetic, full synthetic <laughs> oil to put in that thing. But, yes, uh, and that will help you with that, and that will keep the wear down in these things. But, yeah, you make sure you have a jack-up. The other thing you do is you're going to move that trailer from point A to point B on your property. So you think, oh, okay, well, I'll jack it up a little bit, pull a block of wood out from under it or the, whatever the stands, if it's sitting on the stand, and you'll have it about three inches off the ground because, by the way, where you're going to pull it is totally flat, and then you catch that <laughs> bottom of that jack, and oh, my gosh, then you've got problems. Then it don't want to go up and go down, and then I even got some mad one time. I set it back down on the ground and backed it up, straightened it up. Believe it or not, that worked, but that's not the recommended way to do it. <laughs> you bet that way, we'll push you back the other way. But uh, I did wind up replacing the jack, too, because I was a little nervous once I did that. So that that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Like I said, I broke about everything you can break on these things. Learned the hard way. Did a lot of stuff and saved myself a lot of grief, though. The big stuff, check it, check it twice. You you rent something we covered in uh, the first hour on rental vehicles, especially the trucks. If you're going to be towing with the bumper or the trailer hitch on that truck, and yeah, it's a new one, but you don't know how much use it's already had. There's nothing wrong with grabbing a hold the end of the hitch and see if you can shake or hear anything rattle or reach under there and make sure the bolts are tight on that hitch on that truck. There's nothing wrong with you doing that. That's just your safety. It's your butt. They're not driving it. You are. So you, you check that. You'll be good. But the old thump test is what we call it on the, on the wiring, on the trailer lights and all that stuff. Good idea. Good idea. Because you don't know when they've been serviced last. You don't know what's happened to it. And it's like doing a pre-check on buying a car. There's just a few th- things that you need to check on. Quill bearings. If you've got a rental trailer that you're buying, you're going to go from here to Idaho or something like that, get out on the side of the trailer, watch the wheel, and then try to push the trailer over. Shake it back and forth to see if the wheel is actually moving independent. You can see it if the wheel bearings are too loose. Normally, if the wheel bearings are too loose, because when you're torquing a wheel bearing, you you set it up without a load on it, and you torque it down to where you can get the little uh, safety key in it, and then you shake it to see top to bottom, shake it and see if you how much slop you have in it. And if you've got if it feels excessive, it probably is. But you need to have some movement in it. If you don't, the wheel bearings have the wrong torque. They will torque in too heavy, and they will heat up and possibly burn out on you. So it does need to have just a little bit of movement in the wheel bearing. I mean a little bit, just so you can tell that it's actually moving. 
But you don't, it'll fry your bearings, and then you'll be sitting out there with a bent spindle because it heated up and melted, and then it gets really expensive when you have to change your axles out on a trailer. Had that happen, too. Um, and that, that's a great point, Jerry. Um, if, you're, if you're checking out a trailer as you're borrowing or renting, um, and uh, there looks to be something wrong, before you take off, you need to tell somebody or, fix, or get it fixed. Um, and That's if, right. if, if, if the guys, you know, if you're renting a trailer and you go out and you start doing a check and the guy takes great offense to you checking his trailer because he's sure it's perfect, remind him that you're just trying to protect his asset. If there's something wrong and, and you fix it before, um, and it gets repaired before it takes out and, and it gets damaged, well, it's just going to save him money. And right. I never took offense to anybody checking something out. Because if we find a problem, hey, we found a problem. That means we, we, were, we took a situation and that can be avoided and repaired it and, and lived just traveling with, and having a wreck with something that was totally avoidable. And there's nothing that makes mm-hmm. me more irritated than knowing that we could have avoided this had we just taken 10 minutes. That just there's that's my one of my worst things. I can't. I get very upset when I know we could. I figure out we could have avoided it and we didn't. That's a problem for me. I have a real yeah. problem with that. So um, that's called takes, getting in a hurry. Getting in a hurry. If somebody gets offense because you're trying to take in a little bit of time and and fix something, well, they got a problem. That maybe maybe you need to have a different conversation with them. So, well, you know. When you if if you notice something, you get it fixed now. Because if you drive it out and you come back and it's teared down, they're gonna say, "Well, what did you do to it?" Okay, that's their normal question. And we everybody that rents these vehicles know that when you rent a vehicle from somebody else, you assume that uh, they're responsible for everything that happens on it. Well, uh, that's not the case. But you don't need to have something happen to it and then find out that's not the case. So make sure you understand the contracts, especially the tires and wheels on these vehicles. Uh, if you're working on your vehicle and you're working on a Saturday and let's say you're doing brakes and all of a sudden you, okay, I'm going to do brakes. So I'm going down to Merle's. Well, I need to have the rotors turn. Merle's has a 15 West Ajo. They have a machine shop that they can do rotors, flywheels, and drums on a Saturday. But I recommend you call them at 520-807-4010 to make sure that you can get it in and out on that one day. Uh, <clears throat> and if you're looking for parts for the Weekend Warriors, at Merle'sAutomotive.com, Merle'sAuto.com. They have 10 stores in Tucson. They have them scattered all over the states. Go to Merle'sAuto.com. And you can check the listings on the store the closest to you, and that way you will be able to find it without wasting a lot of time running around and 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 seeing what's close to you. Um, automotive specialists, uh, if you're if you need a good shop on the west side of town, automotive specialist. Just I can't say enough about him, Mister Test First on guest. He's been around for eons now. He's been working on cars ever since he's lived on a farm in Minnesota. Uh, he's at 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, Meredith and Ina in the Bookman's Plaza. Phone number is 520-572-1734. 
Brian's cell number is 520-237-3852. He has an excellent shop with all of the heavy-duty equipment, the big alignment racks. Uh, he's got more computer-controlled uh, diagnostic gadgets than the, the three dealerships compared. Uh, everything he's done, he's very conscious of what he's going to do. He is a go-getter. He is a super high-tech. Automotive Specialist, AZ.com. Automotive Specialist, AZ.com. You have Lens Auto Brokerage. That's where I get my stuff. Lens Auto Brokerage. They're located at 2101 North Stone Avenue. 520-628-7500. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau record. They deal in foreign cars, domestic cars, small autos, large autos, minivans, mini trucks, full-size trucks, mid-size diesels, a boatload of Jeeps, and occasionally they'll have an RV up at the Tucson location. They also have DesertRV.com. Go to DesertRV.com. If you're looking for a bumper pull or a fifth wheel, used or new, check them out. Give them a shout. That's Lynn's Auto Brokerage. All right. What else we got, Jim? Where else we at? Let's see. Well, I think we covered trailers and rentals pretty pretty good this this today wasn't well there's a lot lot to to cover there's a lot to cover i wasn't expecting to go that much on it but that's good i think we did a good job on that well everybody Um, rents a vehicle or something everybody rents a vehicle borrows a trailer or has make sure you have rental insurance make sure you have rental insurance if you're going to rent a vehicle make you call state farm farmers or whoever geico whoever you've got and you make sure you have proper coverage. If not, one of the cheaper ways to do it, even I have it, but when I rent a vehicle and I'm out of state, I buy their little policy, their rental insurance that they carry. Yeah, you're going to spend extra money for auto insurance, but the aggravation that goes with it is eliminated. You just have the insurance. So make sure you have some kind of insurance on that vehicle or don't rent it. Because anything can happen, you're handled. You're 100% legally liable. And when, okay, um, I'm when you're that. getting your when you're getting your insurance, because I run across this in my business, uh, there's there's vehicle insurance and there's cargo insurance. So what that means is, and you need to ask your people if they how they cover this. So for example, if you're if you put your car on a trailer and you rent to cover the trailer, that covers the trailer that you rented in case you wreck it. But it probably does not cover the vehicle on the trailer. That goes with a separate insurance. So if you have, like, for example, you rented a trailer and you bought a uh, a car and you're going to take it home and fix it up, it's not registered, it's not currently insured, there's probably no insurance on it. So if you roll it over, although the the towed trailer is covered. The vehicle on the trailer is probably not covered. So it's really critical. So if you if you have that you know that super great barn find that's worth 
that you got a good deal on and you wreck it, it's just a wrecked Hulk now. Yeah. You have to ask about that. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, and the reason why is because insurance companies think that when you're towing something, that's what is covered. By the same token, when you're do your most insurance do this if you're having your you're towing your travel trailer and it's insured that there's a certain amount of the cargo inside the trailer that's insured okay so your your clothes or or your TV or whatever's in your trailer is covered because your vehicle your trailer is covered if you're renting a trailer not necessarily the case and if you're renting a trailer and you have uh, your vehicle, a vehicle on the trailer, and in the vehicle there's a bunch of parts. Let's say you buy insurance for the trailer and you buy insurance for the vehicle, but the stuff inside the vehicle on the trailer may not be covered. And folks, they will hold you to that and go, sorry, I can't help it. You didn't buy the right coverage, or we don't cover that, or sorry, that's not part of the deal. And now you're in a fight. And how do I know this? Because, folks, I have been there. I, I go through this all the time, and insurance people call me. They tell me, oh, how great deal they can, but they don't, they don't cover all the necessary facets. So, for example, when I tow your vehicle, I have, to, I have to cover your vehicle and the contents of your vehicle. Because, well, if I, if I wreck your vehicle while towing it, you're going to want your TV back or whatever was inside the vehicle, you know, your Christmas gifts. That's usually the one. You want your Christmas gifts back, too. You're not going to just want me to tell you, oh, by the way, um, sorry, uh, your Christmas gifts are, are a loss. No, no, that's not, that is unacceptable to you. So I have to go through the steps to make sure that all that happens. When you, become, when you by default, come into my business, which is what you're going to do by renting a, vehicle, renting a trailer and towing something else, you have to understand that there are several steps that you have to go through. And no... They won't tell you <laughs> that you need this stuff because they're just going to assume that you um, either A, know what you're doing, or B, uh, there's nothing of value in the vehicle, or B, that they don't want to tell you they can't cover that or whatever the case may be because nobody asks those hard questions. So when Jerry talks about rental insurance for a vehicle uh, or and if you're going to Mexico, oh, my gosh, hang on, folks. You better own your vehicle. You better not take a rental vehicle to Mexico because you're going to get stopped. But when you, if you go to Mexico and you're towing something, better be really sure you got it right. And that's a whole other segment of, of things that take place. So just so you know, I, that's a, it gets a little crazy at times. But um, ask your insurance guy, hey, if, if, the, if, if I tow this, will this be covered? Will the stuff in my vehicle be covered? Tell me what's taking place. On top of, if I, if somebody else gets hurt, will it be covered? Those are just simple questions that a, a really knowledgeable agent will be able to tell you, and a not-so-knowledgeable agent will be like, I don't know. So it's really, really important. It's a, it's, um, it, will, uh, it can save a lot of headache and a lot of frustration on your side going, uh, I guess I just bought a couple of TVs and a microwave, and, and oh, by the way, all the jewelry in the car. So. Just want to throw that in there, Jerry. That's perfect. That's perfect. I mean, if you're going to run, you're going to travel, make sure you got coverage just in case. You know, insurance is kind of like a mechanic. Not worth a crap unless you need one don't have it. So uh, it's, it's a necessary evil, 
uh, and get ready because the insurance will be going up. It's already started to climb. I've heard everything from it's the economy that caused it, but most of it is from catastrophes across coast to coast with these big insurance coverages, and they've got to they've got to keep their stockholders happy, I guess. But <laughs> and then the repairs of vehicles the re, to repair a late model vehicle is just absolutely incredible. To a fender bender is no longer a four or five hundred dollar issue; it's a four or $5,000 issue because everything is held together with plastic clips and you whack one fender and it whacks everything else in the car. Um, unibodies, there's only so much you can do to a unibody car, which is most of the stuff out there now in these small vehicles. Uh, you can pull them back, but there are certain procedures that you have to go through. You've got to have the big fancy machines. You get the big frame machines that you put them on, and somebody that knows what the heck they're doing. You can't just straighten out a corner and say, oh, yeah, okay, the fender fits, we're good to go. No, that ain't the way it goes, and you will be having issues with alignments and everything else as you go on down the road. So insurance is getting expensive, uh, but if you think insurance is expensive, look at a ticket. Look at a ticket on replacing a windshield. See how much the windshields are now. That'll get your attention. And so, yeah, do it. Do it. If you've got it, you drive it, you insure it. That protects you. you it's a law in Arizona. You have to have a minimum. Uh, you have to have liability anyway. If you want to accept the responsibility of that $40,000 vehicle you've got uh, but to save a couple of bucks on insurance, hey, that's your privilege. I mean, it's it, that part of the our freedom is still there. Uh, so you can you can play it any way you want to play it. Now, if you're looking for a good uh, auto repair center in Mid Tucson, 5101 East Speedway, try Parker Automotive, ParkerAutoAZ.com. That's Scott and Mike over there. Mike's the owner. Scott's a, one of the service writers, service advisors, and that is a that's a that's a good, honest business to do business with. And if if they're, if these shops are advertised on this program, they're honest. Above all, things are going to happen. Everybody in the automotive industry knows that. But it's the difference between a rookie and a professional business is how the claims are handled. I mean, do they get mad and hang up the phone on you when you call and say, I have a problem with the work that you've done? If they do, that's a different issue altogether. If you can talk to the owner, if the manager's not sure, hopefully they have enough uh, fortitude to put you to somebody that does know what you're talking about, okay? That's called the owner or general manager or whatever. But, uh, you know, you can talk to someone. If you have a problem, problems happen on vehicles more so now than they did prior to COVID-19 because the manufacturers of the new parts that are coming out. Well, keep in mind that the GM, Fords, Chryslers, and any other new manufacturers are having the same identical problems with the aftermarket parts or the vendors that they're using to get new parts to build cars with. They say, yeah, well, we got this specification that we use. Yeah, everybody has that. Can everybody that's making these parts actually follow what specs that they have there? Evidently not because we're seeing it. So that's no. They can try. They give it a good college try, as they say. 
But parts are subject to fail. They are mechanical. They're, everything is, these are com- literally computers running on four rubber tires, and everything else is computer controlled. I mean, you sit down in your car. I can start my car up out here, go out. All of a sudden, the steering wheel, first time I run across the steering wheel heat, I thought I had a shorter steering wheel. No, it's got a heater on it. And then the seats, you've got upper and lower motors in the seats that heat the seats so that you, your hind end is comfy. And there is everything is electronic in these cars now. I mean, it seems like you can't get anything. I mean, everything's electronic. You can open the glove box and do it manually. And I'm sure that somebody's put a button on it somewhere. Oh, yeah, you can put a button on them, open the glove box. But uh, everything is computer. Anything that has that many computers, they have up 30, 40 computers on them now. And they all depend on a good ground. That's the reason we call it ground around. That's the reason it, uh, you have to start diagnostics with the basics to make sure you've got a good ground before you jump into a wiring issue. Uh, a buddy of mine owns an electric shop, and he will tell you point blank, grounds are really critical. Another thing that my buddy, who told me about the uh, uh, electric, he sees a lot of electric doors that we have on the the uh, minivans, especially the slide doors. And did you know that the dirt that accrues on the tracks on these doors can cause a failure of the door? And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. How do you clean those? He said, you can open it up and you can take a rag and wipe off the tracks on the door to keep the resistance down because the door motors are so slow and they're methodical. They're electric. They have enough power to close the door, but they can't run it over a bunch of junk and keep it going because it'll share the gears on the inside of the motor. Then you have to take a complete side off the darn thing before you fix it. So... Uh, that's for the minivan owners that has the Odyssey like I have. It has the uh, Toyotas and uh, everything. It has a minivan in it with a sliding door. Anytime you got something that's got a slider on a track, it's just like a slider on a motorhome. You keep them light lube. You keep them clean. They stay working perfect. You don't. They got plastic gears in there. It builds up too much resistance. Electric motor don't care. It will rip the gears out, and now you've got to be able to take the assembly completely out, which has looked to me like a major job, and to replace the motors in those electric doors. So everything is subject to fail if you don't maintain them. So when we talk about car maintenance and stuff like this, there's stuff that you could add to it. You say, hey, can you check the tracks to see if they're dirty? Sounds stupid. I've seen it. I was there when he was working on a Dodge minivan. He showed me what he was talking about. So, you know, I'm just passing the information on so that when something happens to you, instead of you getting out there and go say, well, I need to have motors, I need to have all this. Maybe not, or you got a lazy door. Maybe it's time to get it checked before it becomes something more, before it quits. And does it quit when it's wide open or quit when it's closed? I don't know. I've never had one to do it with me. So I can't honestly tell you which way it's going to stop. I do know 
that they don't have a set pattern, a dead battery, you could start a, a car in your garage, drive it to a shopping center, go in and shop, and come back, and the battery's dead. Okay? With preventive maintenance on this and regular maintenance, somebody would have been on top of this. If you use like an automotive specialist or Parker Automotive or Simmons, we have checked to see what the life of your battery actually is. They can fail. Colder weather seems to take them faster than uh, warm weather, but they can fail. Proper maintenance is really super critical on these things. So, and that's all I'm going to do on maintenance. We beat maintenance to death, but hopefully the ones that are listening are saving money. I'll guarantee you that. If you're maintaining your vehicle the way you should be maintaining it, you're going to save thirty to uh, 40 to 50% over the life of that vehicle that you have if you do the preventive maintenance. So Scott over at Parker Automotive says, hey, just do a little bit of maintenance all time keeps the cost down out of your billfold and keeps that vehicle running and somebody will be in there to where something major is popping up, they will tell you, hey, you need to watch this. This is starting, we've got a little bit of seepage here, which is an oil leak, but it's called a seepage when it's not dripping on the ground. So when you have a seepage, then it's time to put a little bit of money aside, get an estimate on fixing that seepage, and when you get that bucks built up, send it in, have it fixed. And then it doesn't become a leak, which may cost a lot more. Or by the time you find it, it could cause a lot of damage to the other components in there. Because when oil hits a rubber component, it starts to deteriorate, soften up, and then it goes to motor mounts, goes to training mounts. Uh, it, then it just gets to be a pain in the butt. So if you'll do that, you'll be good to go. Got anything you want to add to that, Jimbo? Yeah. And when and when you're walking around doing your doing your your check, um, remember that in the sunny state of Arizona, pack rats are very um, prolific. They're everywhere. So on your trailers or or the RV sitting, remember that pack rats can do a ton of damage in a very short amount of time. And uh, you want to talk about grounding issues? Oh my gosh! Wait, wait till the pack rats eat your wires. They're not only, now you, you go to start it and, it and it catches on fire because well the pack rats built a nest on top of the wires that he just chewed in two, and they shorted out. Um, so you want to keep an eye out for the pack rats and the pack rat damage. Um, we get a lot frequently a lot of vehicles that have um, pack rats, pack rat damage, and. Folks, I've tried everything. I'm going to tell you. I've done the hood open. I've done the light on. I've done the 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 flashy light. I've done the the um, I've done the scents. Um, I even one guy told me if you buy urinal cakes and throw them in the motor area, they won't eat that. I, buddy, I, I've tried everything. <laughs> I have tried literally everything known to to try and keep pack rats out, and I don't have a good solution other than inspecting and moving. If you go out and move it around a little bit, that kind of has a tendency to disrupt them. But you got to keep okay. an eye on it. When if you see a little, if you see something that looks like a, a, a twig in place, you better start looking. Because if you see one twig in a branch, 
there's a problem. They're they're starting, and and they get everywhere. They're already they get everywhere. Yep. They're already. They get everywhere. They get they get places you can't even imagine they can get, and they're there. And once they're there, it's it's a problem. It's like having one, you know, eat a eat a hole in the garage in your wall. You know, they're there, and they're nice and content, and they're happy, and they're so happy that you left them this place to go to. And just because they were so happy that, that that you left them this great place to go to, they're going to show you their appreciation by destroying all of your stuff. So, um, <laughs> if you're looking for something to do, go check for pack rats. Um, like I said, I've tried everything on the planet. I've deconned. I've you know, I've done every single thing, and, and they, I've never found anything that works really well. Um, they they just come in. No, nope. so, either move nope. move someplace where there aren't any. I don't know. So. And remember, there's little ground squirrels out there that like to climb up in the engine compartment and eat the insulation. Ground squirrels. That's, that's right. In, that's coverage. Uh, you know, I. Uh, yep, I run across that this past week when I opened the hood of my 218 Dodge. I do not. Par- I keep it moving around. I think I use it enough, but uh, evidently I don't. But uh, it, some little munchies were in there, and they eat some of the insulation off the top of the uh, engine, where you know it's deadening sound, sound insulation and stuff like that. But you could see where they just got in and just stripped a little uh, stuff, the stuff that they'd used to build a nest with. So heads up. They're there, and I parked mine. I'm sitting on concrete with a good 75 foot, any place you can even reach my truck. And uh, but if I leave it hooked to the horse trailer, it's it's got probably 50, 60 foot where there's nothing around it, and yet they still get in there. So that's very true. So just constant inspection on it. You can leave a hood open, and that does work a little bit. But everything. Pack rats are like cockroaches. They just kind of adapt to everything. But I don't have cockroaches, so I don't have to worry about it. But I have seen them in hotels and stuff like that. And uh, But pack rats, they adjust. They're kind of like a coyote. That's the reason it's the daggone many of them. And if they're fortunate enough, they can avoid the coyotes because that's the reason I don't run the coyotes off around my house or property. I want them to stay there. 